Welcome to the Oakcrest podcast channel. Oakcrest School in Vienna, Virginia challenges girls in grades 6 to 12 to develop character, faith, and leadership potential to thrive in college and throughout their lives. On today's podcast, Dean of Students Megan Hadley, Oakcrest Class of 2006, continues the discussion of stewardship and Oakcrest's partnership with parents in helping form their daughters. She outlines three areas that parents can play a pivotal role in helping Oakcrest support their daughters. Cell phone policy, dress code, and the mindset surrounding discipline. I think one of the reasons that I got into teaching is because I love the cyclical nature of education. Like every year it's a new year, but it's, um, it's somehow different because you've got a new batch of students in the classroom, so it's very exciting at the same time. Um, I feel a little bit like Anne Shirley from our beloved Anna Green Gables, if you've read that. Uh, she says, isn't it nice to think that tomorrow is a new day with no mistakes in it yet? <laughs> and I feel like that is the pain of every school year. <laughs> so I wanted to build on Mary's words about stewardship and spotlight, um, and a spotlight we're putting on parent partnership this year. So in our experience, there are three areas that we found are particularly crucial in creating our school culture where p- parents play a very, very pivotal role. You play a pivotal role in all of it, but I'm just going to highlight for um, So it's pretty, it's pretty practical, um, but it's very, very important, and uh, we're kind of uh, very excited to partner with you in these three areas. So the first is our cell phone policy. So just to kind of go over what our cell phone policy is. So when we moved to our Vienna campus, we removed smartphones from the middle school. And then the next year, we extended the policy to the ninth grade. So currently, six ninth graders um, are now allowed to have smartphones on campus. <laughs> so, um, in addition to that, of course, no, no students are allowed to have their phones out during the school day. Um, we've had to adapt and change with the advent of smartwatches, you know, the smartphones you can have on your wrist. Um, so students are not allowed to wear smartwatches, and they're actually not aware, allowed to wear watches that look like smartwatches, <laughs> which um, it can kind of seem over the top, and obviously as the styles change, it feels a little bit like whack-a-mole. Um, but um, you can, we had a lot of good conversations, and you can really see that the policy breaks down when the teachers can't tell the difference of what is a smartwatch and what isn't at first glance, right? They can't kind of have like a running log in their head of whose watch doesn't actually have data, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of the why of this policy. So since the revolution of the smartphone in 2007, uh, the growing base of research shows the adver- adverse effects that so much screen time, especially social media, is having on children, especially girls. Throw a pandemic into the mix, and you have today's adolescents that are really starving for real relationships. And yet despite, I would say, all these cultural trends, I hope that you can tell that we're a very conversation-rich environment at Oakrest. That's my experience. Um, we have a culture of looking people in the eye, we have a culture of um, holding doors open. We're better able to serve those around us with our eyes up instead of our eyes down. Right? And that's kind of how we frame that for the girls. This culture doesn't happen on its own. And I would say in large part, not totally, but in large part, it's really one fruit of our cell phone policy. So we see kind of the fruits of it every day, and it's so exciting for us to be able to see these girls looking at each other, engaging with one another after school. I was reminded, kind of just very personally, of the fruits of this culture this summer in Colorado when I took 11 Okies for nine days into the Colorado backcountry. And we didn't have cell phones, obviously. But we didn't have cell service even if we had cell phones, but here we are. Um, 
I expected it to be one challenge among many that they would face, right? Um, the physical challenge, of course, of hiking 12,000 feet with 45 pounds on your back, on your back, but also just kind of, especially for the older girls, not having their cell phones. Um, and instead, there was not one mention of cell phones the entire nine days. It was kind of, I was surprised by how much of a non-issue it was, really. Um, there was no complaining, I'll put a caveat, within earshot of me. <laughs> I mean, when it's their tens at night, who knows? <laughs> um, about, about the cell phones, but really honestly about everything, like about anything. Like the entire nine days, I didn't hear one word of complaint about a thing. And it was hard. Um, instead, what I heard, and I heard lots of these, were conversations that ranged from ridiculous, very absurd, to ridiculously edifying. And this is all just happening on trail as we're hiking. There was laughter. There was so much laughter. There was silliness. There was very, very rich conversation. And upon the, upon our return, I, I got lunch with one of one of the girls, and one of the, one of them told me that she was struck by the importance that she saw, um, particularly in Colorado, but she kind of referenced back at Oakcrest as well, of treasuring the moments of kind of complete presence with people. And we could feel that in a particular way because none of us literally had cell phones and nowhere else to be except with the people we were with. But she kind of she she kind of drew the um, connection that they were able to do that more fully because of the habits they've gotten into here. So what I saw firsthand was that Oakcrest students have the ability to engage in very rich and joyful conversations, and they have the ability to develop real in-person meaningful relationships with adults and with peers. Because there were three counselors from the camp that we were with that they, that they were strangers. And yet I could see our girls engaging with them in a really deep way. So uh, where do you come in? You come in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, I would just ask to kind of, and I'm sure, I'm sure you do this, consider carefully how your family culture at home supports a conversation-rich environment. Um, ultimately, obviously, the decision to get your daughter a smartphone lies squarely in your hands. Um, but just thinking about the decision prayerfully, intentionally, um, is just important. And also knowing that we have a lot of resources and articles available in the lobby today, as well as communications that come out through the parent support office, and then also just the wisdom that you have side by side, shoulder to shoulder, with the parent next to you right now. The second, um, kind of second piece of this, I suppose, is how you frame and support our actual policies, like the actual cell phone rules that we have. So just a couple examples. It probably is gonna sting if your daughter can't wear the new garment that she got or the new pivot that she got. Um, but knowing that um, kind of the culture that we're trying to preserve is part of that policy, right? Um, this is something simple, but don't text your daughter or call your daughter's cell phone during the day, right? Um, and if she slips into the bathroom to text you and you receive a text from her during the day, Maybe use it as an opportunity to have a follow-up conversation at the end of the day, right? Um, just to kind of touch base. Huh, you texted me. I'm not supposed to have your phone out, right? Um, so kind of that would be one way parents can help bolster what we're trying to do and at the same time we're trying to bolster what you're trying to do. So second area, so first area is cell phone. Second area, dress code. Um, so it's kind of, it's laid out in our, in our handbook, but the goal I would say of the dress code is threefold, right? One, spirit of community. Two, encourage a professional approach to work. The way we dress affects the way we act. Uh, and three, and this is the most important, reflects each student's dignity as a daughter of God. 
right? So being a student is your daughter's professional work at the moment, right? And dressing professionally reflects her commitment to that responsibility. So her uniform should be neat, and she follow the guidelines. And I'll just say, as teachers, we intentionally try to give them a very positive and strong example of what that looks like to dress in a professional setting. So with regard to skirts, so skirts can be worn up to two inches above the knee. <clears throat> now I'll just kind of add a caveat. Well, the matter of like black shoes and her blazer, I would say maybe fall more into the realm of like professionalism. The, of the, the issue of her skirt length is a way more profound piece of formation for your daughter. Um, as she kind of internalizes a deep understanding of her inherent goodness, her inherent dignity, and the inherent kind of integration of her body and soul. Right? So skirt length is kind of, I think, in like a little bit of a realm of its own. So this formation we know, and I'm sure you know, <laughs> takes time. Right? It has ups, it has downs, and ultimately kind of this truth about her own dignity is best learned from you. Or the supporting cast. So as a school, we try to support you by living this policy well. Um, I, it seems like a lot to put on a skirt length. <laughs> You're like, it's just a skirt. Um, but really, it's like these very profound truths that we, both parents and school, are aspiring to teach them kind of over the, the length of their time here. So it's a lofty goal. It's difficult at times. Most good things are. Um, and I can just say from our hand, I know firsthand of some of the great conversations that deans and teachers and me um, have had with girls about skirt length, but the most important conversations and the purchasing of the skirt happens at home, right? So I would just encourage you to use it as an opportunity to discuss these things with your daughter. Um, it's not, uh, it's, it's, a, it's such a positive good. It's like not a bad, like your skirt can't be, no, it's like, why? You know, it's, it's and obviously depending on their age, that conversation will look a little bit differently, but it's, it comes from such a positive place. Um, okay, so, Cell phone, dress code. Lastly, the matter of mistakes or failures. Um, I was thinking, I guess I've come full circle to Aunt Shirley. <laughs> a new day with no mistakes, but one that I know will include many mistakes and failures by the end of it, if I have anything to do with it. <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes. We all make them. Your daughter will make them. Um, and just in my dealing with adolescent girls now for a long time, some of these mistakes are gonna be your own. Some of the mistakes or failures will be of a friend. Some will be small and maybe actually only known to her. You know, you kind of mess up and you're like, those things, you know, here we are. Um, and some of them are going to be, or at least maybe feel like they have more consequence and maybe actually have more consequence. So at Oakcrest, kind of on our part, and I'm sure in your families too, mistakes are just part of normal life. They don't scandalize us. They don't paralyze us. Right? We believe it's better that she makes mistakes here where she's known and loved and learn to move forward, kind of like Mary was saying. What's the plan? So when a mentee comes to me with a mistake that she's made, or often a mistake of a friend she's trying to process, blah, like just kind of like word mouth comes out. Um, usually I just listen, and I find that I'm better able to kind of accompany her with compassion in those moments, and especially at first if I'm not jumping in to try to fix the problem. I'm just listening. Um, I'm sure you know this, but I just think it's so important that it's worth saying. Your posture towards your daughter's mistakes makes a big difference. So how you talk about mistakes in general, how you react to her mistakes in particular, <laughs> the stories you share with her about your own mistakes, which can be so, I mean, I have very distinct memories of my parents talking to me about that. Um, resisting the very natural impulse, I think, to jump in 
try to change reality, try to excuse, try to blame, you know, it depends on kind of the situation. So owning our mistakes, sometimes learning to deal compassionately with the mistakes of others, <laughs> is an important piece I think we all know as adults of any person's formation of virtue. And you are the most important people in our life. And the most important people that can give her a strong foundation. I was thinking like a strong foundation in reality. Living in reality is always best. <laughs> True. So a strong foundation in reality, imparting on her a growth mindset, and showing her compassion when she's messed up. Um, someone once told me that the voice we develop inside our own head when we're reacting to something, that, that kind of voice that kicks in is formed by the voices that have been coaching us throughout our life, particularly when we're young. I'm sure you probably, probably have an experience of this. Like, I can hear my mom and dad in my head. <laughs> They've become a part of me. Like, the things they said are now a part of my own internal dialogue when I'm approaching challenges and mistakes. So just kind of keeping in mind that that is, um, that's you, what a gift. Like we're so blessed that you are going to be really the ones forming the voice inside their head to help in their formation of virtue at this adolescent stage. Um, so just we're excited for a really great school year. It's been a, a great summer of rest and rejuvenation, I know, for um, you know people that have been at school. Um, so just. There's been a lot of excitement in the building in the last week as the girls have come back for sports and the teachers, thank you, come back, I'm so lonely. Um, so it's gonna be a great year and I'm very excited to kind of explore this idea of parent partnership more because to me it's like the secret sauce of the mission. Um, so I'm glad we're starting off the idea of stewardship with parent, with parent partnership. Um, keep in mind, cell phone policy, dress code, and this kind of sporting spirit, that's the same as Maria called it, helping the girls develop a sporting spirit. Um, we're so grateful, especially as a history teacher, I love this idea of kind of thinking about the founders of this school. Where are we entering this story? Like we're part of a story that's came before us, it's gonna go on after us. Um, so we're so grateful for the founders of this school who gave us this noble mission and a much needed mission. And we're grateful that you're here with us to help kind of steward this mission for the time that we're a part of it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Oakcrest School. To subscribe to our podcast channel, visit ocrest.org.